Hi, and welcome to Holistic Life Hub, the holistic podcast, your source of health, happiness, and harmony. And today I have the honor and the pleasure to speak with Bogdan Kaziola with an original background in Tai Chi and different form of therapies that he been paired with Oriental philosophy and created the core and resource-oriented body and psychotherapy. You listen to the Holistic Podcast, a podcast about self-development, stress management, mental training and holistic yoga. The Holistic Podcast is presented by HolisticLifeHub.com that helps you to create for yourself a happy, healthy, harmonious holistic life with online masterclasses. Hi Bogdan, how are you today? Hi Georgiana, I'm very good, thank you. Nice to, nice to speak with you. So I would love to hear a little bit more about uh, what different form of therapies you studied or practiced. So a little um, bit more, a little bit more inside in your background and how you, uh, how all of this led you to creating a new form of therapy. The well, the base, basic thing I started with was uh, with the regular physical massages that led me into acupressure into to zone therapy, into emotional release therapy, because I discovered very early in my very early 20s when I was massaging people, it had a significant emotional reactions from them. And uh, then I realized that the tensions in the body, in the body must have an emotional basis or must be emotionally related. So I started studying this. And then with some friends, we started studying um, start therapy we went into Alexander Lohan who was with his um, bioenergetics which was a huge thing coming up in Denmark at the time and uh, then at that time also I met Bodynamic Institute which is uh, body-oriented psychotherapy but should we say the next generation because originally you have Freud you have Wright you have then Lohan and then came the group with Bodynamic Institute and Lisbeth Marker, which was sort of, you can say, the entire next generation that grew out of that tradition of, of psychotherapy. So that is, that is where I took my original education and eventually uh, educated with the diploma from, from Bodynamic Institute. But they also mentioned Oriental uh, philosophy. What... Uh... Uh, what made you interested in those and how, how did you combine the two? Because uh, I am also interested in uh, the Oriental tradition and in my, from my perspective, combining the Western, some of the Western aspects and the Oriental tradition, I think it's a, a very happy marriage. It is an extraordinary marriage. It's an extraordinary marriage. I absolutely agree. Um, well, I started out with Tai Chi. I was actually a totally dedicated sportsman at the time. And then my brother came and talked to, told, told me about Tai Chi. I didn't know what it was, but everything inside of me exploded with, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And I was a top, top sportsman at the time. I was totally into elite sports. And then from one moment to another, when I heard that word the first time, I knew that's what I'm going to do and I was prepared to drop it. <laughs> I had to go and I, I actually moved in with a very exceptional practitioner uh, in Christiania and Copenhagen of all places. He invited me to stay with him and over the summer I stayed with him in, in, in a house he borrowed there and uh, we practiced and I learned about Taiji. And that became my life for the next, and profession even for the next many years. It's uh, for, for me, it sounds uh, it's very, very interesting from an elite sportsman to psychotherapy. How, how come well, that you combine the two? Because the jump is even much bigger. Okay. Because at, at the time, I had started a, a study in law school at university. 
<laughs> and I was actually to become a lawyer and I was also to become a diplomat. That was the idea. I was on my way to the foreign ministry. I had spent some, I spent a year working in the economy ministry, which I do not wish to repeat. But then uh, a lot of other things came by. At that time, I met yoga. I met a specifically a yoga system from South India, which was very powerful. I met meditation. I studied since uh, a lot of years. I studied yoga, meditation, Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhism, and Tibetan uh, Tantric Yoga. I studied North Indian Tantra. I studied uh, Kashmir Shaivism, which is, you can say for me today, one of the main inspirators for how to pair the Western knowledge with, with, the, with the Oriental knowledge. What exactly in the uh, Kashmir Shaivism um led you to the therapy that you are practicing today or what, what what was it in it that you paired it with the western well i was i will start the notion from the western therapy because the the therapy the background i have in the therapy where i made should we say where i had my specialty was uh, related with uh, development psychology the understanding of how the human being is developing all the way from fetus and up and specifically pre and perinatal therapy which was something i enjoyed very much and then uh, this whole understanding of the development of the human being which is i find extraordinarily important and essential the way i work and i've been doing that now for 30 years and then i went very much into trauma deep trauma post-traumatic stress disorder so i work with people who have died come back women who have been multiple raped and all kind of you can say the, 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 the worst part of the garbage bin I worked with is, which <clears throat> led me very deep into a search for what, what is a human being. Because when you go to this rock bottom with people where there's almost nothing left, I mean, somebody who is treated like some of my clients are, have been treated, it's almost like there's very, very, there's only one core left because they're stripped of everything. Because it's so inhuman. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a it's amazing to be able to help people that went through all that. Yeah, I found it a blessing, and therefore it was my my idea. For I worked with it really for thirty years, and then I thought, <coughs> pardon me, I I, I uh, thought that I would I would. Um, I would take make a, an early retirement with the therapy after 30 years. But then I realized, uh, together with the Shaivism, which was your question from before, that is, there came a notion for me, which has to do with as, as much as the Western therapy that I learned from Body Dynamic Institute, which is the most brilliant, uh, in detail understanding of how a human being develops from a fetus up to a grown-up human being and into adulthood. Then that paired with the Kashmir Shaivism understanding of what, what is the human being in essence and what does it mean to be a human being uh, from, a, from a whole standpoint. Because when you look at Western therapy, what we're extremely good at is pulling things apart and understanding the details. But we define the human being according to our problems. When you look at Freud's typologies, which continued into the understanding alone and further developed by Lisbeth Marker, you have all these typologies, uh, personality typologies, because the human being as a child, we develop in themes. We learn to, to, first we learn to exist, existential structure, we call it. So how does it mean to exist in the world? And your experience as a newborn baby, how am I, how is it, is that, is, am I welcomed into the world or is the world a very hostile place to be in? And so on, it forms our entire perspective, our entire view upon existing in the world as such, you see? And so on, and, and therefore we develop in themes. The next theme is, is needs, how are our needs met? 
is there enough for me? Does my mother have enough to feed me? Does she want to feed me? Does she have a rejection of feeding me? Does the world want to feed me? Is there nourishment for me in the world or should I give it up or fight for it? And so all of this is, is built up in themes. The amazing thing about Kashmir Shaivism is it describes the development of consciousness in 36 steps, or you can say according to the phonemes of the Sanskrit alphabet in 50 steps. So it's exactly the same type of model, but where the Western uh, model, just like, for example, also the Enneagram, which came originally from Gurdjieff and developed by the South American psychologist, uh, it describes again the human being according to our struggle back towards ourselves, but according to what went wrong in our childhood. And that's how psychotherapy defines our structure, how we look at people, we have problems. And uh, the big turning for me, turning point for me, is that Shaivism defines us not according to our problems, but according to our completeness. Which is, from my perspective, the best, uh, uh, the best view upon life and existence to have. Because if you are focused on problems, you will always have problems because it's the only thing you see. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, by what you can say, by resonance, whatever you focus upon, how you see the world, that's, that's how the world is for you. That's the world you create. But you have to have both. Because when people come to a therapist, they, they don't come because, yeah, I'm complete. I'm wonderful. My life fantastic. Can I pay you? Can I pay you a small fortune to talk an hour or two with you every week? No, nobody's going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, yes. very <laughs> Absolutely true. Very few people will do it. So we define ourselves and we come because they're trouble. You don't go to the dentist and say, yeah, I'm fine. I have no problem. You go to the dentist usually because, well, you know, I have a pain. I have a problem there. Uh, can you please help me because I really don't like you but or what you do because it hurts, but I have to do. So this is how we define ourselves. We are often motivated by pain, by fears, this. And, and that's a great thing. As the Tibetan Buddhist says, there are two paths forward, the path of pain and the path of wisdom. And for some reason, most people choose the path of pain. It seems to be popular. <laughs> so... Um, if we move a little bit into the kind of therapy that you do now, uh, could you please be so kind and explain to all of us who are watching, uh, what do you exactly do and what is the base of it? What is the, what is the structure? What are the pillars of it and why it is different from yeah. uh, other therapies? Yeah. See, what I, what I use is the synthesis of all this knowledge of understanding and defining from what, what people have been through. And, and this huge uh, toolbox, how one can help it. But the difference is um, where people, what generally what I see with therapy and, and modern medicine for that sake, is that mostly we are, we are fixers, we are mechanics. Psychomechanics, body mechanics, whatever mechanics. We're fixing something that's wrong. People come, please make this go away. Um, my perspective changed dramatically at a point where I realized in order for people to become complete, there, there cannot be, we have to take the basis in, in um, I'm trying to say a lot of things at the same time, because a lot of things happened at a point that gave this um, so that Neo uh, structured in a better way. Uh, I came from from a lot of work with this with the with the um, with the trauma, with the deep trauma. And one of the problems with deep trauma is that um, it's a place where we have very little left sometimes. And if you push people, for example, in shock trauma, if you push people into the shock and you just go there, which would be the normal thing to do in therapy, I'll go back to the thing, relive it again, what happened. You create a shock of the second degree. Shock of the third degree creates cancer. So if you keep pushing the patient in or client into the shock they experience, they're going to die from cancer at some point because the, the whole structure is, um, is fighting back because in the core of every shock is a big black hole where there's no memory, there's no realization of what happened there. All that's left is 
is the, are the feelings. We have two glands in the brain. One of them remembers what, what happened and one happened, remembers all the emotions. And the part of you, the brain that remembers what happens is short circuit during trauma, this kind of trauma. So there's, there's no memory. There's just all the feelings which creates an immense chaos in the life of such a person. And then I start extrapolating that work on, in a certain sense of all the therapy I do in order to, what I realized was that in order to help people faster through it, I start working from, not from the whole, from the, 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 the problem, but I start working with the basis in resource. You understand? In order to, for, for, let's put it like this. If you look at your worst day, nothing works. At your best day, you can fight anything, right? Exactly. It, it's a principle. So what I do is I take the basis and the resource. And in physiotherapy, I think they call it, call it energy overflow as a technique. They use it in physiotherapy. Uh, a colleague of mine told this because I tried to present it at a point and, and my peers say, no, 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 no. It's just a person-specific thing with that client. And someone said, no, actually in physiotherapy, we have exactly that technique. So I further developed it. And uh, there is a point in Kashmir Shaivism, for example, where it's pointed out that in, in a specific part of the teaching, that at a certain level of consciousness, you can dissolve all the traumas, dissolve. But th this, this it's, uh, it's something which is absolutely amazing to be able to achieve. Just dissolve all your traumas. Because yeah. uh, not, not all of us have um, deep trauma but to a certain degree we all went through suffering we all went through heartbreaks we all went through something which maybe not maybe we'll, we'll not call it a trauma i'm not a psychologist so i'm i don't know if i use the right term but to a certain degree we are all a little bit damaged here and there so yeah. to be able to be able to to just take that away for good and not, not have to go through it to, to remove it. I think it's brilliant. To take it away is not what we do. <laughs> That's the thing. You don't take anything away. Okay. That's, the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. Because when you take away your mechanic, you take this thing out and put something new in, right? That's the mechanic approach. And I did that for a very, very many years, almost 30 years before I discovered that was not the way forward. No, less than that, but still a lot of years. Um, but what I, what, what this is that at a certain point of consciousness, the, the, all these things start healing. And I worked with this for myself and, and, and that point relates with what we call the soul. The soul is a positive definition of what the human being is. So what the shift in the therapy from my standpoint was a shift away from seeing people as a series of problems that I can be the hero and help them with and whatnot. Many therapists are so happy. We're very happy to help people. It's a wonderful feeling to do it. But to shift from, I am, I am trying to help people with removing a problem to start defining what is really human being. Because in most therapy, the definition is negative. It's from our problems, right? So you don't have a definition of what is a whole human being. But dynamic is the closest I get to it, but there's still something which was, was, was missing for me. And that was the understanding of we have an ego. And usually therapy is one more evolved, one more trained ego is trying to guide another ego. Einstein said at a point, you cannot solve the problem from the same level as where the problem is. So I, my, my shift at a point was to move away from trying to be a more evolved, more, a little bit more trained than whatever ego helping another more damaged ego than myself to see and solve their problems to try to focus from the standpoint of the soul. Now we have a point where the definition of what is a human being, what is therapy absolutely changed for me because now I'm not looking at problems. I'm looking at the soul. And then the point which I was, uh, when I was preparing a bit for, for this today in my mind last night, early this morning, I, I made a little bit of a, a definition of it, which, which I like very much because um, from the standpoint of Kashmir Shaivism, we come, as we also say in Christianity, it's, Christianity is said 
we are made in the image of God. How can the image of God be flawed? <laughs> we cannot, right? So something, something in the whole notion is absolutely nonsense that we are made in the image of God and we come here and we are all these terrible little flawed beings and with a bit of luck, something good might happen in our life. It's a horrific standpoint. It's a no-win situation. But if like Kashmir Shivaism instead, we start on understanding essentially we are the soul. We don't, people say, oh, I'm looking for my soul. That, that doesn't work either because you never find it because you're it. You're it. You're that. And uh, what I'm trying to use in the therapy is a perspective where it's the soul that does not understand itself yet. And that's a significantly different standpoint than, oh, I come here, I'm a flawed being, and one day I maybe become whole. If all these broken pieces become, if I find a person that can help me put these broken pieces together, then maybe I can become a complete vase or piece of child, whatever, again. But you're already complete. That's, that's, uh, that's a very essentialist perspective I take from Kashmir Shaivism. But it is also in the same time uh, a huge shift of perspective because uh, nobody teaches us that we are complete as we are or that we are uh, a soul having a physical body for a while. It's true. We are are so indoctrinated with what a human being is. Now I'm really curious, how do you manage uh, helping people shift their perspective because it's a it's a huge shift it's a tremendous shift uh what i would say was that the difference it made with my clients was that i suddenly saw miraculous healings i saw miraculous changes people start changing even after one session their life was different people came back and said my god my life totally changed after even the first meeting where i thought whoa so something here is 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 right where I know of people who spend years or in decades in, in therapy and with very little improvement because they say, oh, but they're so too deep damaged. Where I say, well, it's the wrong perspective. It's the wrong starting point. If we are looking at it, we will, as you talked about in the beginning, we'll increase that resonance. And we can, as a therapy and client, spend a whole lifetime together about these damages and look around them. And we think we're doing a great job, but we might not be very efficient. So how is this shift is, is how is the shift done? The shift is done from the understanding of a human being as a soul. Essentially, even you can say in Shaivism itself, which is a more involved, but let's start from the soul because that is useful in therapy. Self is not so useful. So from the standpoint that you're a soul, what is a soul? I call it this little quantified piece of infinitude of the divine light that exists within you that is the one looking at me now the one that can be aware of yourself the ego is not aware of itself it defines itself in little pieces and by analysis by breaking up the soul can only be experienced as a whole how do you explain this to an atheist when you will say divine light probably they will react to the expression I only explain this to my clients if, if they, if when they start talking about their own experiences with it, because it comes naturally. Uh, the thing is, uh, I mean, the, the most relevant question in it from that standpoint, at least as I see it, is if we are that complete soul, if I'm right, if Shaivism, if yoga, if all these Oriental philosophies, they're right, that we essentially this divine self. How can we lie puking in the gutter and think of ourselves as miserable beings and act like complete idiots? How is it possible? It is possible because um, in order to exist in the world, to manifest something, let's say you have a piece of clay. That clay has infinite possibilities. The moment you want to create something, let's say it's a sculpture of a person or a vase or a tray or a cup or something out of that piece of clay, all these infinite possibilities, they boil down to one. There's now only one possibility. And every time you create, it it boils down to one possibility only. And it's the same thing for each one of us. 
there exists only one Georgiana in the world and there exists only one Bogdan Kachol in the world. Thank God, I hope so. Uh, most of us wouldn't really like to meet us. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But, so, but, this, but this is an uh, this gives an extraordinary possibility because yeah. we start uh, from the, the thought that we have uh, an infinite possibility. Yes. Yeah. Then yes. if the adults will be completely aware of it, or at least aware of it, not completely. Let's put it aware of it. Then they will be able to educate their kids from the start with this perspective oh they would be able to educate themselves from that perspective first of all uh, of course yeah. but also they would be would able the parents to... and the kids change i can tell you this every therapist know that if there's a problem with the kids you start taking the, the parents to therapy they well, change the kids follow definitely but it's so, true you, you can raise your kid with with an absolutely different perspective upon themselves in the world we and we need this perspective now the point is that since in order to create us, we are now boiled down to this one option, to this one perspective. Astrology explains it. Well, there are these 360 degrees in the zodiac. And at one point, Georgiana came in and then we make a, a horoscope and then we look and say, well, in this life, that was your starting perspective. That's where you came in. That would be uh, esoteric astrology will say, well, all these infinite possibilities boil down to this one person with this horoscope sign, with this typology, with this or that. So because of it, we define ourselves as limited beings in the sense of separation. And, and that is where I take my point in the third bit. The reason why we do not have the connection to the soul is because we, should we say, suffer from separation, division, which is a prerequisite for us to exist in the world. That is the separation. There's somebody there sitting that I'm looking at now, who's Georgiana, and then there's Bogdan here, far away, who are two significantly different persons. And yet, from the standpoint of the soul, we can experience ourselves as exquisitely similar and even have the sense of uniting and feeling one, like we can do, for example, with our lovers, for see at least certain very privileged moments and uh, if the perspective is instead is really trying to overcome these ideas of separation because that's the real trauma of the human being from the standpoint of shaivism they would call it the divine sacrifice of sacrificing the total complete unity oneness in order to experience diversity and mankind, uh, very immature as many of us are, got stuck in this idea of the separation. And our primary separation is the separation from us. And that is my starting point, that is when somebody's in front of me, is how can I help? Where, where do I start helping that person to unite with themselves? This is... Uh, I, I believe it's one of the most efficient paths you can start helping another human being because as you mentioned a little bit earlier of course you can be a brilliant therapist it doesn't matter what type of but you make people dependent on you so what is what uh, from my perspective is the best solution is to help people um, do the work by themselves with a little bit of assistance from you so they are not dependent on you well, but how 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 do you how do you manage to uh, not convince but how do you manage to uh, uh, help another human being who is so convinced that uh, is limited ha have all these type of problems uh, cannot work them by themselves how, how do you help them uh, really have this shift from I'm limited, I'm helpless, I have all these problems, I have all these flaws, to realizing I'm a soul, I'm a, I am complete, and I, not only that, I'm also united with everybody else on this planet. Oh, you want all my secrets now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a long time ago, I had, I had by accident some, some realizations. 
Um, I don't believe in accidents, but go no, ahead. No, by, by, by accident in the same year, it was absolutely unprepared for and it was absolutely unexpected. Um, it was at a point of extreme exhaustion and from my own point and where I, in order to be present, I just centered in my soul very strongly so I could just be there with the person. And I realized that when I, the more I was there with them, the more things start getting right inside them. So um, one of the things that, for example, creates the creation or separation from the beginning is we have parents that are not united with themselves. They are in deep crisis of separation themselves. So we grow up in an environment where this is normal. And uh, when they're not able to be with themselves fully, how can they be with us fully? In other words, they say they love us and all that, but much of the time, they're maybe not completely with themselves. They're not completely with us. And we simply grow up in an environment that feels a bit hostile or even the best possible environment is still from a certain standpoint of separation. Sports well, children, is, for example, is, become very selfish, right? This is huge because if I understand it correctly, then you are the catalyst because you have to be united with yourself. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise the process will not start. So actually you have a huge responsibility because every time you have a client you have to be united with yourself you have to be united with yourself this is this is uh, the training i will do with with the therapist i will train that that is the first thing i wish to teach them that is how they unite with themselves and how they use that in the therapy because it's the first thing It's one of the genius things i learned from body dynamic institute and and elizabeth marker who put this amazing system together with, with together with a group of people. She, she brought together a group of, of top people, really, really wonderful therapists, and they created this system called Body Dynamic, that today is still Body Dynamic International now, but uh, and now led by her, her daughter. Uh, you have to remember this, this education that took 30 years ago. Uh, every one of us started getting a little older. But uh, one of the things I learned from there, which is so wonderful, was that as a therapist, not because a psychiatry for some had this idea that there's a client there and you're the therapist, the psychiatrist there, and they're lying on the couch and you're not interfering with that therapy. And what they say is the same as quantum physics says, you can't even look at a thing without changing both you and what you're looking at. And the knowledge in the whole universe changes by you looking at something. So that's a huge thing. So, so maybe it's one of the few therapies uh, the first one really taking the consequence of the fact that we can't look at the thing, we cannot interfere with the thing, or be with the thing, looking at it without interfering with it. And I'm what scared. I learned, from, what I learned from my training in body dynamic was, since you cannot not interfere with it, learn to control how you interfere with it, and use it for the therapy. I, I'm, st I'm still, uh, my mind is still on on this aspect. If when you do the therapy or when you do any type of training or coaching, if you are the catalyst and you are the catalyst mm -hmm. you, uh, and you are united with yourself, so you have to be um, not just be very knowledgeable about it no. and know the theory. You have to already obtain the results that yeah. you want your clients <laughs> or your, the people you work with yeah. to achieve because otherwise, it is not working and just as a funny uh, a funny parenthesis in for example in my home country there are a lot of jokes about uh, doctors and physicians and especially about those working in within um, within the psychiatry and psych <laughs> psychiatry departments and they said that always the the main doctor in the psychiatry department has all kinds of psychiatric problems yeah. So how can you cure somebody else if you're not healthy on, on that level? Mm -hmm. But this is, this is a little bit unusual for the Western world, that you have, well, you have to have already the results you want your client to achieve. At least you have to be quite a bit on the way. That is very correct. You have to be quite a bit on the way. And that is maybe why it took me almost a lifetime of work to, to get to this understanding myself. Because it's a recent thing, and my my biggest my biggest problem, which is what you're pointing out, is exactly also 
when I was thinking that I would love to educate some people in using this because people asked me. Some people looked at what I was doing and they say, well, I, I see what you're doing. And what I see you do does not correspond to the results. These results are tremendously beyond what I see you do. How do you do that? I, I want to learn that. So, so by, by being pushed by people like this, at a point when I thought I would maybe have a soft retirement, I have been thinking about how to teach this to people. And it's, it, it is, it was my big, biggest headache. That is, how am I going to bring, bring people from A, where they are at the moment, to B, where they need to be in order to perform such a therapy? Because, of course, I can also teach them all the knowledge I have about the therapy I'm doing and all this. Um, but as you correctly point out, it is the therapist that's the catalyst in the system. And therefore, in the therapy system I, I'm developing now and hope to teach to people to do, the therapist needs a significant amount of development and understanding of themselves. Not understanding from mental understanding, but from a direct first-hand experience. If you have not been in the garbage bin, you can't go in there with people. You see that? This was the, maybe my main requisite. That was I spent a lot of years myself in therapy too, but I didn't. I didn't uh, all the time just see it as um, as because I was such a traumatized person. It was also because I saw that it as a way to to spiritual development. And at the point, my therapist told me, well, if you want to continue, if you want to develop beyond the problems you've been working with me till now, you, you, you need to find yourself a, a spiritual teacher, some, somebody, a spiritual master of some kind. And I was happy enough to, to find a lot of guidance in the world. But it is, so, uh, so now, I can see, now I can see the connection with uh, Oriental philosophy and Oriental traditions, because that, yeah. uh, when you want to learn something, uh, you need to find a spiritual master who already went all the way, or at least a huge part of it, so they have personal experience so that they can teach you. It's, it's, not, it's not a theory that you are uh, uh, relying on in a spiritual master, it's their personal experience. So some, somehow it's the same that you do with your therapy. Exactly, exactly the same I do. Uh, when people come to me, the first thing I tell them is, I'm gonna, not going to fix your problems. I'm not a pill. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was one thing very important that I learned from, from Tai Chi and from the, the Taoist philosophy. The whole universe is in constant evolution and constant development. And one position is not important. The next position is not important. Important is how do you get from A to B? How do you make that move? That's the essence. And I, I practice at the time six, eight hours a day to integrate that system in my body, and it's still there, even though I don't practice so much today. But uh, that, that is what I tell my clients that this is going to be a process, and I'm going to walk it with you as long as you wish. You're going to walk that hand in hand, but but you're I'm not going to do the work for them because you will, you will cripple them. And not only that, it will not work. It will not work. You can't do it for them. I know a lot of therapists try to do it. People who really want to do good, but who have this obsession of fixing other people. I'm sorry. Some people out there might be very upset with me about this. But a lot of us feel, but it feels good. We want to help people and it's a good feeling. Oh, I helped somebody and I saved some people a person today. I mean, I had people who came to me and said, well, if you can't help me, I'll, I'll, I'll kill myself. Uh, I didn't like that. But that's when you have suicidal clients. You're the last resort. And often they have been everywhere else. And you're, you're the last thing. So that, that's, that's not a good situation. So, but what I usually tell people is, I can walk you with you. But, and sometimes I can carry them a bit. But uh, I, I can't do it for them. Because it is them, it, it, and this you can say from this standpoint, what I, what, what I try to do with the therapy is to change the awareness from therapy being some, somewhere, someplace where you go to get your problems fixed to somewhere where you go and have an evolution for yourself.
that it becomes your evolution, it becomes a kind of path for you to transform yourself into a more complete being or complete understanding of yourself, if that makes sense. Makes total sense because uh, from from my background and what I am teaching, um, this is the most efficient uh, and also the healthiest approach to uh, no matter what type of um, problem we are confronted with. It's not me having some. It's not me fixing somebody else's problems, or me uh, having somebody fix my problems. It's uh, if I am in the role of a teacher or a coach, is me through my life experience be able to put a light on on the other one's problems so they can have a better understanding and also some tools to work with themselves. Otherwise, uh, it's from a certain point of view, like with the medicines, um, more, a, a certain category of people they like quick fixes they just to pay some money and have a quick fix and no effort from their part people, but it doesn't work it doesn't work like that no but it works very well hand in hand in the sense that people like to have a, a, an apparent quick fix and the pharmaceutical industry is very happy to present them with a quick fix the problem is the quick fix often becomes a lifelong dependency it becomes a lifelong customer. And not only that, it's only it's only fixing the symptoms, it's not fixing the cause. Yeah, because the if that will fix the cause, you will not that, get the problem so ever again. It's so smart. It's like you're a mechanic and everything you do makes the problem bigger. So people keep coming back, having more and more expensive repairs. I mean, see, from the standpoint of economy, it can't get any better. But from the standpoint of helping people, it, it doesn't get any worse. It's correct. This, this is this this is the sad reality of it. It's the first time ever because I'm also interested in psychology and neuroscience and quantum physics and anything that can help uh, me, but also the people that I work with uh, transform and evolve a little bit quicker. It's the first time when I hear about any type of uh, psychotherapy that has um, your perspective. Yeah. Uh, what, what I will, maybe I throw in a little more of a, something, I don't know if one can call it a bomb, but what I discovered at a point then in, in this research with the clients was that I found that many of the major diseases, they have a, they have a fingerprint, they have a psychological fingerprint or footprint. In other words, people with cancer, there are certain things they psychologically have in common that seems to be what creates cancer. People with Alzheimer's or with, with no, I don't work with Alzheimer's, uh, Parkinson's disease, they have a very, very particular trademark that seems to be common for them as at a base, at the understanding of a basic structure, because that is what both Bodhinamik and what Kashmir Shaivism boils down to. That's understanding the basic structure. When you understand the basic structure, the rest is just, let's call it the decorations of life, mm -hmm. which can take many, many, many different forms. But if you look at the basic structure, it doesn't matter how you decorate the Christmas tree. You can still see the tree in behind. You still know what the structure is. You still know the stuff is hanging on, on, on branches and what the branches are. So okay. that is, you can recognize it and you can actually help people with severe diseases. I had very wonderful uh, um, results, for example, with uh, with uh, Park with um, Parkinson's, where shakings disappear very very rapidly. This means that uh, um, you can help people understand the cause of their problems, so that they can remove the cause. Yeah. And and this is um, actually giving back to people the understanding, but also the know-how of the fact that if they have the power to make themselves sick, they have the power to heal themselves. Yeah, and often there's nothing to heal because the moment they discover that notion of separation they're living, when they're looking at themselves and say, my God, I'm, I can't be in a relationship because I never really engaged in the relationship. Many people, for example, come, which I noticed where I live now, that for a lot of people, for example, the women, they have the same tendency, a lot of them, that is, 
they don't marry the guy in front of them. They marry an idea by somebody they want, but he's not really the guy in front of them. And they don't understand why the relationship is a disaster and then he shows up to be a jerk or whatever else. What did they expect? They didn't marry the guy in front of them. They don't relate to him. And the guy, he, he basically is scared of his freedom, so he sort of goes into it, but uh, he still has one foot out. I remember this um, Robbie Williams in, in one of his songs, I think it's called Field, where he's saying, whenever I enter a relationship, I already have got one foot out. Because we are so scared of, of going in because we don't know who we are. We are scared of losing a freedom. We are scared of, well, we're scared of losing a freedom that we don't understand and that we never really had. But we just think that it's going to disappear. But we go there for some reason. And, and it's a disaster. It's often two people who don't understand themselves who then try to, to marry a projection on each other, which is another separation. <laughs> Often we marry the opposite sex parent in, in our own vision, our own perfect vision in our head. And of course, that, that, that's such a dichotomy and creates so much pain between people who don't understand why they're fighting. It's difficult to have a relationship with six people involved. You, the other one, your mental image of you, your mental image of the other one, and exactly the same for, for yeah, the other part of them. So a relationship in six is not exactly easy to manage. No, it's terrible because especially if you don't know all of them are there and you, you don't realize that you're shifting between them. <laughs> it's a terrible situation. And especially also when you don't understand that your primary drive really is the drive of unity, that you, you have the drive to become one. And most of the things you do in your life separate you. It, it, it's a terrible, uh, should we say, um, drama of mankind, of the human being, that is our profound separation from ourselves and from everything around us. And that is what allows us to do even horrific things or painful things and whatnot. And yeah, the, the, the human being, when, I mean, I, I see this with people right now. A lot of people now in this COVID times had a lot of time for themselves. And a lot of people I talked to stopped and then they looked at their lives for the first time. And they, they come to me and say, my God, I never looked at my life like this. I'm running around like a crazy, trying to serve all kinds of things totally split in all kinds of different person. One person at work, one other person at home, third one with my friends and whatnot. And there's essentially really no time for me. And now I had time to sit at home and find out, think about how did this happen? How did I end up here? Is this at all the life I want? And that's brilliant. It's a brilliant effect of it. A lot of people stop for a moment and sort of united with themselves for at least short moments. And that changes everything. And when you as a therapist can be there as a catalyst for people to unite with themselves, because that's my perspective always. That is how, how can, can we unite? And uh, it also helps when you can really be there. That in itself is very healing for the person. Because your first most primordial trauma, what is that? The first really big trauma any human being has is the separation from your mother, right? You're born exactly. and you're, you were one and it was nice in there, it was warm, it was pleasant, you were safe. And suddenly you're out in this terrible world where you're, for the first time, separate from all of that. You can't hear your mother's breath, breathing and heartbeat and all of this. And everything seems very scary because you're separate for the first time. And from there on, what is actually happening to the human being, in order to us to form as complete human beings, we walk the first years of our life as a separation from our mother and our mother's energy with which we were totally united at first. And that separation is often a very traumatic separation that follows our whole life because it doesn't really happen optimally by almost anybody, right? But the birth in itself is an immense separation. And if you think about our soul separation in a certain sense from its origin is a kind of primordial trauma in a sense that 
we are here as individualized beings and that's how we define ourselves. Me, different from anyone else. And the moment things can start connecting, being together inside. This is one of the first things almost all of my clients tell me very quickly. Is they start suddenly when, because I have some techniques, I things I do with them to help them discover it without mentioning it all. And the first things people experience is themselves. And they feel, wow, I feel this state of peace. I feel safe. I feel good. And, and that, that, that are the first reactions of people connecting to themselves. And I don't need to talk about God. I don't need to talk about soul and self and complex oriental philosophies and all of that. Because uh, the whole therapy is built entirely on people's first-hand experience of themselves. In, in That's brilliant. And I really hope that you will uh, teach other people, other therapists, uh, this new approach because uh, it is um, holistic and it goes to the core of things and is uh, actually helping people much better than any, any other type of therapy that I know of. I thank you so much for your time and for the insights. And I really hope that um, you will do that, that you will teach other people how to do it. I would uh, um, like to know if people want to find you uh, and to work with you, how can they do that? They can uh, write me on, um, on my email which is my name, Bogdan Kachola at yahoo.com. Or they can find me on Facebook. I, I am on Facebook under my name. All right. And I will put the links in our video so that uh, it will go straight to your email and your Facebook account. Thank you so much, Bogdan, for today. Thank you so much for this chance to, to, to share this, this knowledge. I, I really uh, believe that it is very valuable and I wish you uh, great success with it. And I really hope that uh, a lot of people will want to work with you.